Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. Uh, the band's back together this week. Devin, glad to see that you're, you're feeling better this week. So, uh, yeah, gentlemen, let's, uh, let's talk a little high school football, as is tradition to lead off the week. It is Monday, a little after 11 a.m., and, um, yeah, we're here to recap some of the happenings from week four. Um, so right now, I guess by this time at the end of the week, everybody that we cover will be playing uh, their district schedules, you know, so any buys that were taken care of. Were, uh, were cast aside last week, so now that we've uh, had a chance to, I guess, get ready for that district grind, let's just kind of assess where um, where things are at right now. We can um, we can kind of start just by just simply just recapping what we saw last week as far as some notable takeaways from our games on Thursday um, and Friday. Um, David, let's just get right into District 75A Division 2 because they are right in the thick of things, yeah. that, uh, that big old 19 behemoth of a district. And um, you've got a, a couple early statements being made by a couple teams out in Frisco. We could talk about one of them that you saw on Friday in Lebanon Trail, as they um, as they put forth a pretty uh, pretty impressive effort against Lake Dallas. Um, so Lebanon Trail four and zero. Who'd have thought the Trailblazers in just their third year as a varsity program I'm making a big step this year? Talk a bit about um just their performance against Lake Dallas and just what kind of has, uh, has caught your eye about the way Lebanon Trail is playing right now. Well, uh, it was kind of a little bit of a slow start for Lebanon Trail. Um, Lake Dallas, as you know, they were grinding out a couple of drives to start the game. Um, like, like that's, that's the kind of the, the MO for Lake Dallas is they're going to grind out some drives. It's not mm-hmm. going to be like one or two drives where they hit like, you know, 50 yard bombs. They're yeah. going to kind of grind it out. Um, the first, you know, first drive, you know, they got like 12, 13 plays, you know, ended in a touchdown right there to get a, get a seven to nothing lead. Mm-hmm. And actually on the first play uh, from scrimmage, you know, Lake Dallas, they had some troubles, you know, just, you know, being able to grind out some big plays. Mm-hmm. Very first play from scrimmage, Lake Dallas gets like a 36 yard run from quarterback Trevor Moon. Mm-hmm. To move it into Lebanon Trail territory, and then um, after uh, the next after Lebanon Trail can't convert a f- fourth down on that sex drive, Lake Dallas looks like it's about to go up fourteen to nothing. Um, they get all the way to Lebanon Trail like two or three yard line, okay. But on fourth and goal, like you know, they instead of kicking a field goal, Lake Dallas realizes you know this is going to probably be a higher scoring game right here. Um, they go for it, and then they stop uh, Le- Memorial uh, Lebanon Trail stops them at the, stops them before the goal line. Mm-hmm. So that was just a huge swing of momentum for right sure. There. So after that, it was just all Lebanon trail right there. Um, quarterback, you know, Drew Martin, he was good with both his arm and, and his legs right there. Um, um, he just, like, uh, one touchdown run. I think he got through th- two or three tackles, really? like, the 27-yard run. And, and then, like, it was just, like, like once once the goal line stand happened, it was just, like, Lebanon trail got its legs. Everything was going right there. So um, so they tied the game up uh, there uh, late in the first quarter. Um the the Drew to Drew connection out there exactly Martin Donnelly that's right uh, they got going uh, uh, Drew, Donnelly gets a gets a, a 
a 45-yard touchdown right there. He cleared a defender, and that, he's just got that track speed. Just to, does he? Okay. Yeah, he's just he finds that little vacate vacant spot in the in the defense right there, bursts, and then he catches the ball, and that's another touchdown. Mm-hmm. In the first half, he could have probably had at least three touchdowns right there, just based really? on his speed, because he was just get finding the open spots and like you know it was either like a big catch or Lake Dallas, you know, having to commit a penalty to, in order to kind of impede his progress right there. So, um, you know. It was seven to seven, and then and then they just blew the game open. Um, they had, uh, tw- I think it was like twenty four, like they were up twenty four to seven at halftime mm-hmm. right there. They got a field goal with like no no time left in the first half, and and like uh, it, it, the field goal was actually kind of like demonstrated how like you know on point that Lebanon trail was. Hits the upright, goes in. Oh goodness! Yeah, one of those kicks. Yeah, one of those kicks out there. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, they. They close out the first half. Close out the first half with that, and then they go on to win forty-four to fourteen. So they're four and zero for the first first time in program history, right mm-hmm. there. So obviously it's a big win. Um, Coach Jackson said, you know, he's trying to take it one game at a time, right there. For sure. But um, yeah, right now it's you know it's a, it's a great start for them, right there. I'm trying to look up the stats. Yeah, you got a lot of papers that you're shuffling through right I now. Yes. <laughs> I'm going old school right here, guys. Um, yeah, you have uh, a laptop as well. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have a laptop. Solidate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah uh, Drew Martin he threw for uh, 213 yards mm-hmm. right there, and uh, he also rushed for 66. And um, I also want to give one shout out to uh, the running back Greg Hatley. Too. Okay. Um, uh, Lake Dallas actually made this a two touchdown game in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they got a big play from their, their backup quarterback, Brendan Soresby to Andre Minifield. They hit him for like a 55 yard touchdown mm-hmm. pass right there. Um, so that made it a two possession game right there. And then uh, Hadley scores on the next drive. And then that pretty much ices the game right there. So Hadley actually had two touchdowns there in the second half that really kind of, you know, kept Lebanon trail, you know, ahead and kind of give, give them their separation to, Get get away from Lake Dallas. So, four uh, and zero start right there for uh, Lebanon Trail with a uh, with a big one coming up this week against Frisco. Absolutely, Lebanon Trail making an early statement in seven five a Division two. Same for Frisco Liberty. Devin, let's talk a little bit about the Red Hawks. They were the subject of our game of the week last week as they played Memorial in a game that's hey it lived up to the billing. This was yeah. a very very good game, a back and forth contest that um you saw Memorial get off to a huge lead there in the uh, well I mean they hung what forty four points on them in the first half and just seven in the the second half. Um, ultimately, though, the story of this game, as I think is going to be the story for quite a few Liberty games this season, they've got something at quarterback that looks like it could be pretty special. This quarterback of theirs, Keldrick Luster, just a sophomore, he's making a case right now as the most statistically dominant quarterback in the area at the 5A level. And he just, I mean, he just keeps on. We talked about him a lot last week on the uh, podcast previewing this game. I mean, just the video, the, the numbers that he's putting up right now are just, they're straight out of a video game. Yeah, I, I was, I was I was just going by, you know, looking up what – because I wasn't at this game, obviously. Yeah. But, uh, you know, going on max preps and see what the coach said. 21 of 23 <laughs> for 338 yards and two touchdowns. Okay, that's incredibly efficient, number yeah. one. Um, and, and, obviously, 21 completions for 338 yards. Mm-hmm. He's throwing the ball down the field. He's not deacon and dunking necessarily a lot. Yeah. But then the other part, 24 carries for 266 yards and five touchdowns on the ground. <laughs> I mean, that's more than 600 yards. I know. Total, total <laughs> offense. I, I mean, and it's just for a guy like we talked about uh, before we started, you know, mm-hmm. the, the podcast, a guy that kind of came out of nowhere in terms of, of being on the, the local landscape yeah. as far as players to watch. I mean, we talked about, I think in our season preview, we talked about Will Glatch being a for returning sure. starter at quarterback, an outstanding athlete. And um, they've been able, he's been, Luster's been so good, they've been able to turn Glatch 
full-time on defense, where he's now a, a star, I think, I believe, leads him in tackles on defense. Yeah, yeah. He's um, a real linebacker for them. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, just a guy that kind of – and I'm sure that the uh, the Liberty coaching staff might have kind of kept things under wraps and didn't want to kind of, you know, kind of tip their hand too much before they had to. Uh, but, uh, you know, everybody who uh, follows high school football uh, certainly knows who he is now, and mm-hmm. I guarantee you that, that rest of the district is uh, paying very close attention to how to contain this guy because no one's been able to do it so far. Because it's, it's a case of – it's not just the, the raw numbers, but like you mentioned, it's just the efficiency, not just through the air, completing, you know, what, 85 90% of his passes, but just on the ground, you know, o- over 11 yards per carry against Memorial. And he had 24 carries in that game, and I believe the next highest was just nine. So they've recalibrated their offense just around this kid's skill set, which just shows the confidence that Coach Swinney and the and the staff have in um, in what he's shown so far. And, yeah, I mean, it's led Liberty to a 3-1 and one start, their best start since 2010. Obviously, you know, a big game in a couple weeks against Frisco. I'm epically fascinated to see yeah. any elite defense try and, you know, contain this kid because, I mean, when you look at just the uh, the abundance of weapons that he has around him, whether it's Jonathan Bone in the backfield, the receivers out wide with Evan Stewart, one of the top prospects in the state for the 2022 class, plus Connor Holstein committed to Princeton, I believe. Um, I mean, they're, uh, man, that offense has been, it's been lights out to begin the year. I don't know if Liberty would have ever envisioned that they would be getting <laughs> this level of production so soon, but yeah, Luster was was, uh, he was on fire, and yeah, that Memorial game arguably his best showing to date of what's been a, uh, I mean, a, an absolute breakout campaign for the uh, for the sophomore. Well, you ha- yeah, I was going to say, and, and think about if you if you're Memorial and and, you're, and their own quarterback <sighs> Ethan Lawler. I mean, he throws for 330 yards and three touchdowns. They put up 51 points, and it's it's somewhat overshadowed. But, I mean, I, I think you look – if you're Memorial, you go back there and say, hey, look, we could put up points ourselves. We had a chance to win this game. You know, don't, people – you know, Liberty kind of stole the spotlight a bit just because of that performance, mm-hmm. because of the way they were going to come back and win that game. But Memorial's got to be thinking, hey, if we – tweak a couple of things, make a couple of corrections, close stronger, yeah. we're going to be writing this thing as well. In a sense, it's it's kind of a minor miracle when you look at how great Luster was. This was actually still a close game. Yes. That, that Memorial just didn't get run off the field entirely. Because this is, you know, as we talked about on the podcast, David, this has unfortunately kind of been the story of Memorial season. Close they, games. They just, they really do seem to just, they, they've, they're, they're missing something when it comes to closing these games out. You saw it earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw it the week before in the close loss against Lebanon Trail. And yeah, I mean, they're they were just on fire, and they had a lot of uh, a lot of kind of kitchen sink stuff go their way. They had a fake kick that led to a touchdown. They got a special team score mixed in. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that really worked in their favor, and they had a lot working. I mean, they had 44 points and a half. I mean, you see, that's a win. Yeah, it's, it feels like yeah. If you're just playing the other uh, probability game, it feels like that your odds of winning a game when yeah. you eclipse 40 points and a half has got to be you know at least 80 to 90 percent. But nah, not against Keldrick Luster, man. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, they got uh, they got something special over there at Liberty. Just the, the next great quarterback in Frisco ISD, at least early on, it appears. Um, so, yeah, Liberty's rolling right now. Same thing for Lovejoy. Talk yeah. about the Leopards a little bit because this, uh, this was a big game that they had last week. I think for my money, this was the, the best game on the marquee for 7-5A Division Two, and they were heading up to Denison. It was, at least on paper, kind of their first big test of the season. I mean, Munson Stadium is a notoriously difficult place to play. Denison is a, uh, has probably the best run game in the district, you'd say, on paper with Jadarian Price and Aza Osborne. And it's just stylistically, it's the kind of game that you would expect to maybe throw Lovejoy a little bit off kilter just with their ability to kind of control the clock a little bit and, you know, perhaps make Lovejoy. I mean, because Lovejoy had just been, they've been scoring at will in the in the three weeks prior. So a chance to see if you could kind of lure Lovejoy outside their comfort zone and see how they respond. And 
sure enough, this was this was the case. They were down 24 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, about as far from what Lovejoy could have envisioned, just based on how the first three games had gone. And there you go, Lovejoy mounts that late push, gets 21 unanswered points, and they come back to beat Denison 31 to 24. Um, I mean, just what a uh, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong kind of did for Lovejoy early on. You know, they threw a pick six, you know, very uncharacteristic for that offense. But then you look in the fourth quarter, just everything kind of came together defensively. I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Denison picked up a first down over its final five possessions of the game. And then you had, uh, you know, Lovejoy getting touchdowns from Philip Jost. Their stud linebacker also works as kind of a goal linebacker. Um, our Ralph Rucker, Luke Mayfield was the one who caught the uh, the game winning touchdown late. Um, just what uh, what resilience from Lovejoy. You know, this is again just to kind of see how uh, how this team would respond when you know the offense finally hits a bit of a speed bump and isn't just able to you know just win these games comfortably, scoring forty fifty a game, and to actually see this team have to work through some adversity. That's big, and especially the job that they did defensively. You know, even though they were playing at a deficit for a lot of the night, they did do a really good job bottling up that run game. They didn't let either Price or Osborne get over 100 yards. Denison only had 156 yards as a team. Instead, it was Noah Nadeau, Lovejoy's running back, who was the stud, the, uh, the stud running back in this game. Um, just again, just incredible, just really, really impressive resilience from Lovejoy, who's 4-0 now, heading into their bye week. And they, um, yeah, they look the part as either, you know, at least right now, I'd say if you're going to power rank them, probably number two behind Frisco. That seems like a realistic spot to put them after beating a team the caliber of, uh, of Denison. But, um, you know, still a ways to go. I mean, this is shaping up to be a very, very fascinating district uh, district grind, um, and again, it, uh, it continues on Friday with uh, with two of those unbeaten teams, Frisco and Lebanon Trail, squaring off. So, uh, some fun, uh, some fun times going on over in Seven Five A Division Two. Yeah, Frisco ISD is putting put on quite a show right now. Oh yeah, it's, there's never a dull moment covering football in Frisco ISD mm-hmm. for sure. Um, Devin, let's talk a little bit about what you had uh, going on last week with your uh, with your coverage schedule. You were covering was it Saxy on Friday? I did so, have Saxy. So with uh, with District Nine Six A being in their first week, and some. Somehow we have one of those teams in the district that still hasn't even played a game yet. <laughs> yeah, actually two. Yeah. Or, I mean, well, district games anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's odd looking at the standings because you got Garland at two and zero. Yeah. Garland's actually been able to play the last two weeks, and then yeah, like I say, you have Rowlett not only at zero and zero in district, but zero and zero on the season. They had their season opener against Plano. That was what's that even going to feel like this week for this team? Like to be this far into the we're almost a month into the season, and Rowlett still hasn't even played a game. How many? Like I know you know the pandemic is kind of affecting, you know, it seems like everybody's being impacted in some form or fashion with games getting rescheduled, canceled, and whatnot. But how many teams are up against it right now, like Rowlett, where you've had this many games fall through the cracks? Well, and that's that's what I'm saying. I, I think Rowlett, yeah. I can't, none spring to mind, at least in, the, in yeah. the area and teams in our coverage areas and team in terms of, I mean, they we've had several that have had games canceled, oh, postponed, absolutely. or whatnot, but not to this extent. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to talk to Coach Stevens later this afternoon, just kind of because it is finally game week. But, you know, I know the coaching staff has tried to treat it every week as is game week. So you go through the same you know, preparations, building toward Thursday or Friday nights. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's tough. It's got to be tough on those kids Absolutely. because we're not just talking about we're, – we're talking about going all the way back to August. <laughs> I mean, you know, everybody's had to deal with the month, but they basically, you know, in their mind, they were sitting there, okay, you know, August 28th, August 29th, that was week one. Mm-hmm. And now here we are, you know, almost a Halloween, and they still haven't taken the field. So, yeah, it's going to be – it's going to be interesting as far as that goes uh, Rowlett this week. Uh, you know, Saxe had been through a little bit of that themselves. They they played Coppell two weeks ago in their season opener and then had their game against Rowlett uh, mm-hmm. last week, which was postponed. Uh, so this was only their second game of the season. So they're trying to kind of shake off some rust um, 
as well. You know, we talked about uh, Alex Orjai a couple weeks ago and his debut against Coppell yeah. uh, was a successful one. Uh, you know, they, they, they played North Garland, uh, a North Garland team that got beat by Garland 42 nothing last week. Saxe wins this game 41-7. to Kind of an uneventful game, to be honest with you. It's kind of a methodical performance by Saxe. Mm. Um, you know, they ended up getting, you know, gaining over 400 yards, but it just, it was one of those games. It just, it looked, you know, Saxe was in control, and they didn't have to push, and it, it just looked like it. They, I think North Garland had minus six yards rushing through three quarters. Mm. I mean, Saxe just dominated the line of scrimmage, and therefore, they were able to dominate Field position. So a lot of their, you know, Alex Orjai had three rushing touchdowns, but a lot of them were were smaller, uh, you know, shorter runs. Corey Jones had a nice long touchdown run. They did get a kickoff return from James Adams. Uh, you know, it's was, it was one of those things where you could tell from the onset that Saxe was in control and they weren't going to do too much to, to, to give, you know, give North Carolina any hope or let him hang around. And so, you know, Saxe takes care of business. Um, you know, they go to they go to 1-0. Uh, <laughs> again, we're two, technically two weeks in since Garland has played two games. Um, but there's only been a total of five district games played because Wiley's in the same boat as Raleigh's. Yeah. Even though Wiley got a couple of non-district games in, they've also had the, the COVID protocol where they've missed the first two weeks of district. Mm-hmm. So they, like Raleigh, will be playing their 9-6-A opener this week. So it's really kind of hard to get a gauge on on how this district is going to go. Garland has been really impressive. That win over Damon Forrest was, was a solid one last week, coming through in the last second. Mm-hmm. Um, they've talked about that. It was now a junior class For since sure. they were freshmen over at Garland with uh, Sergio Perez quarterback and Jay Sean Powers at running back and uh, they have several good receivers uh, Jordan Hudson, Charles Allen Ellis Rogers, I don't know if y'all saw the highlights of that. No, um, at the very end against Damon Forrest it was tied and it was Ellis Rogers I believe and they threw it down a sideline route and he goes up with a defender and he falls to his back and it somehow he kicks it up to himself as it's about to hit the ground. He's able to grab it. It's a really phenomenal catch. Really, But it, it led to the game when he touched down so they went 14-7 um, so Garland looks like it's going to be right there. Uh, Lakeview uh, played South Garland last week, and again, that was actually 14-12 to 12 at the half, which was a little bit surprising. Mm. Um, no Kamar Wheaton. Don't know the story there. Uh, you know, a lot of people rate him as the best running back, not just in the state, but in the country. Mm. Um, so they go to Zechariah Dunstan. He decides to rush for 200 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, that helps. And, uh, <laughs> they, they pull away. So, um, you know, Lakeview's off to, the, to that 1-0 start. Mm-hmm. You know, again, Rowlett and Wiley open this week. Um, they both kind of got scheduling breaks. Rowlett has North Garland on Thursday. Wiley has South Garland on Friday. So they don't necessarily jump right into the fray mm-hmm. against one of the major contenders for the district title. They kind of have a week against. In, in, in games, they'll be favored and to kind of break in, get back into into rhythm. So, uh, you know, we'll see. You know, a couple good ones on, on you know, coming up. Saxe and Garland on Thursday in a game that all of a sudden, you know, may not have, may not have jumped off the schedule, you know, a month ago. Mm-hmm. But here's two of the, you know, teams that are undefeated that actually play games. And uh, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago with the pod system that they're doing as well. For sure. And, um, you know, we hope that this doesn't come into play. We hope that these teams are able to play a full schedule and that the playoff field will be set as normal. But in case there are further cancellations, in case there are further issues, uh, Garland ISD, or I should say 96A, did uh, adopt a pod system where they played a in two four-team pods, and they're going to play the first four ga- or first three games, I should say, against one another. Mm-hmm. That way they have kind of a seating 
system set in case they just need to do play-in games between those pods. Um, and so one pod is Rowlett, Saxe, Garland, and North Garland. So these first three games are really important in terms of seeding and trying to get that those matchups. Same thing with, uh, you know, Naaman Forest and Lakeview play in a big game this mm-hmm. week. They're part of the same pod. So all these early district matchups in 9-6-A are big, potentially big in terms of seeding if things with the, with the you know, with COVID, you know, if they get hit with that again later on. So for right now, though, even though obviously it sounds like there's still a uh... It's, it's no lack of chaos over in nine six a right now as they try to sort through all this. Yeah. District uh, District five six a which starts later on this week and it feels like things have been fairly seamless so far. I mean, of course, you have had you know three of the teams you know have been under a bit of a, a quarantine shutdown on the back end of their non district schedules with Allen, Geyer, and Prosper. One of those teams though that I was able to see from five six a on Thursday was Boyd out in McKinney. McKinney Boyd as they were looking to uh, you know to get their first win, get a little bit of momentum heading into district, and the big question heading into this one is, is this going to be the game when Boyd's offense finally just <laughs> shows some signs of life? They had, uh, you know, through their first three games, they had not scored an offensive touchdown in two of them. They were uh, they were shut out against Rockwell Heath the week prior, 38 to nothing. Um, so, yeah, just all eyes to see on what Boyd's offense could do. Um, they had a season high in points scored. 14. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's still working. It's listen, it's still a work in progress on the offensive side of the ball of the Broncos, but they did get enough defensively and on special teams to keep, uh, to keep Byron Nelson within striking distance. And then ultimately win this game in overtime, 14 to seven. Um, it was uh, the you know, the big story, at least offensively, was you know they're a little banged up right now, and they obviously that uh, necessitated digging to the depth chart at quarterback, and they were rolling with a with their backup Ryan Shackleton, in place of Carter Whitefield, who had a, a giant cast on his uh, on his right arm, and they actually still used Whitefield though. I mean, again, it's the cast was to where you can't throw a football, but you can still carry a football, still catch a football. Mm-hmm. So they still used him as a running back, you know, a little bit in the second half on a role that I think they're looking to you know kind of expand for him as he still a terrific athlete you know even if his he's not able to uh, you know use his uh, his arm at a uh, quarterback as such but um, with Shackleton they um they actually I mean they did get you know at least up to this point would have been their best uh, their best game as far as uh, passing yardage goes as a team and whatnot and it looked I mean it was definitely a much more crisp product offensively than um than it had been and the you know, eventually, again, they they got enough there late to pull out, you know, to pull away in um, in overtime, and it was surprisingly enough, it took them, you know, they scored seven points in all of uh, in all of regulation, and then in <laughs> overtime, it takes them just two plays to find the end zone. Actually, oh yes, yeah. uh, I believe it was uh, Brooks Rigney who was on the receiving end of, I believe, a twenty-four yard touchdown pass from uh, from Shackleton to put them up fourteen to seven, and then in um in uh, in Nelson's um, back half of the overtime frame, they just do nothing but go backwards and eventually turn it over on downs, and that's been kind of the constant though is. You know, again, we got to see what becomes of this uh, of this offense with Boyd. The defense has been outstanding, though, to start the year. You know, only uh, they're allowing less than 12 points per game so far, and um, a lot of that on uh, on Thursday centered on the efforts of their other linebacking core, specifically Matteo Bianchi, who's been one of the breakout stars on defense in the uh, in the area, and he was just an absolute. He was a human highlight reel against Byron Nelson. You know, was 15, 16 tackles. I want to say six of them were for a loss. He had multiple sacks, multiple forced fumbles, including one where he just straight up ripped the ball away from the ball carrier. The only other time, David, and you'll remember this, the only other time I think I've ever seen that happen in a game was back in the 2004 AFC Divisional game between the Patriots and the Colts when Teddy Bruschi did it to Dominic Rhodes. And again, it was literally just, he didn't even tackle him. He just literally reached in, just mm-hmm. grabbed the football away from him and then returned it <laughs> into a into a 
into Nelson territory. Just such an impressive display of strength there from uh, from Bianchi. And then on that uh, on that last drive there in overtime, he had a sack on third down, which put them back and forth in a million, and they weren't able to make up the ground there. So he's just been he's been awesome. He was on special teams too. He blocked a field goal. I mean, this kid was all over the place and looking like a uh, a real uh, a potential defensive player of the year candidate over in five six A. Um, you know, it was um, but nevertheless, just some really really impressive resilience from uh, from Boyd, who was actually in position to win this game at the end of regulation. Uh, there was, it was a very windy game out at, uh, out at McKinney ISD Stadium, and they actually had a pretty short field to work with after a short punt by Nelson. They were actually able to get down inside the, uh, I believe, inside the 10-yard line, but then have a field goal blocked, which, uh, which sent this one to overtime. So um, impressive resilience by Boyd to get their first win. Obviously, you need as much momentum as you can get heading into that district schedule because it's, it's going to be tough. You know, they've got a really, really tall order coming up on Thursday when they welcome Braswell, who's been... You talk about two teams on the stylistic opposites on the offensive spectrum. You have Braswell, who's putting up you know the best numbers offensively in program history. I believe they're actually leading the area, at least as far as total points scored so like far. Over, they're averaging like over 600 yards a game. Oh, yeah, it's insane. They're, yeah. They got like two of like the top five receivers in the area. Their run game, I think their running game and passing game are both ranked number two in the area right now. They're on fire. Of course, I mean, they're getting into a ton of shootouts, so they're having a tough time getting stops and whatnot. So it'll just be a, a, a very, very interesting stylistic challenge with uh, with high-octane offense versus a shutdown defense in Boyd, but it sounds like for the time being, though, Shackleton's going to be the guy quarterback. You know, Whitefield, you know, uh, Coach McBride didn't have a, have a specific timeline on how long he thinks he's going to be out for, but did say that. I mean, it's going to be a while, so they're, um, you know, Shackleton, I believe, just a, just a sophomore, so, um, you know, he's going to be uh, the quarterback for the foreseeable future. It'll be interesting to see how Whitefield's role grows in the in the backfield as a potential complement alongside uh, Jay Thompson. They're, uh, you know, they're starting running back, but um, yeah, just some nice momentum for Boyd heading into district play. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that district, though, before we um, we close this thing out. We'll look at uh, We can talk, I guess, uh, at the end about the, uh, the Mesquite ISD district over in 10-6-A as they get rolling this week. With, um, with 5-6-A, you know, they start so far, and I kind of, you know, we kind of have an idea as to who the top three teams are. Now, I don't know what order, but it feels like so far, Allen, Guyron, Prosper have shown enough to kind of separate themselves from the pack. It does stink because, as I mentioned, all three had really big games that got canceled by uh, by COVID reasons. Um, you know, so it's it's just it's opportunities that you know deny you a chance to really kind of test yourself and compete against a high level opponent. Just because I think those are the those are the games more than the others that will kind of really flesh out your strengths and weaknesses and just show you what um you know what's Stuff needs to be corrected against a high-level opponent before you get ready for that district grind. You know, with Allen, they missed out on games. They actually lost out on their last two games of non-district. They didn't get to play against Cedar Hill, which, after what Cedar Hill did against yeah. Alito, man, who would not have loved to see that Allen-Cedar Hill matchup now in hindsight? Um, but then you had, um, you know, they didn't get to play against Tyler Legacy last week. So, I mean, Allen's in a situation right now where, again, like, all eyes are on that November 13th matchup against Geyer, which, you know, is at least theoretically could be for the district championship. It, you know they they open district at, um, at the end of the month October 30th against Boyd. Then they play Little Elm. So there's a scenario where they're going to get to that game against Geyer without really having faced any adversity. Yeah. You know they didn't really face any adversity against uh, Plano East or Atascacita. As good as Atascacita is, you know it's still a really young team that really wasn't in much of a position to do a whole lot against Allen. So. 
There's still a lot about this Allen team that we don't know and we probably won't know until they, uh, they line up against Geyer, which, you know, I don't know what to make of that. You know, at least with Geyer, you know, even though they had a really big game against South Lake Carroll fall through last week, they did have that game against Ryan earlier in the year that they lost 23-20. to 20. I guarantee Geyer learned more about itself losing that game against Ryan than Allen did, you know, in blowing out a Tascacita in Plano East. So it's just one more subplot for that game, November 13th, where the district title could very well be on the line. Prosperous had a really, really impressive start. They had a huge win over Euless Trinity before having to go on a bit of a COVID shutdown of their own, which meant not being able to play its final non-district games against DeSoto, which would have been, a, again, a great <laughs> test. As, I mean, DeSoto looks like, I don't know, that might be the best team in the area right now. For all who knows, I mean, they're just they're just beating the brakes off everybody. And then um, they also missed out on a game against Arlington Lamar, another game that really could have tested them heading into district play. So, again, though, it feels like just based on the early results that those three have shown enough to kind of separate themselves from the pack um, for that fourth spot. I think right now, again, like we know Allen, Geyer, Prosper, those games between any of those three are going to be big. And actually, you get one next week, I believe, is when Prosper plays Geyer. So that's going to be a real nice, uh, nice test as far as kind of gauging where those two are at. Um, Braswell and McKinney is the one, though, that I have my eye on. That game is going to be, let's see, I got it written down somewhere. It's going to be, I can't find it. Um, let's see. Um, so, yeah, that game, though, it's, again, we talked about Braswell as far as being a team that just is, they're, they're scoring at will against everybody. Um, you know, with McKinney, though, it's kind of been the, actually, okay, it's November 13th that they play. Sorry, I was lost somewhere in this cluster of notes that I have. With McKinney, they've been on the, uh, on the complete opposite end. They play great defense, which is kind of the case you saw last season with them. You know, they're allowing, you know, since having Plano hung, you know, when Plano hung 35 on them in their opener, a game that head coach Marcus Shavers kind of attributed to them. He felt like the kids kind of wore down a bit in the second half. They weren't as well conditioned as they had to be for that game. Well, since then, they've only allowed 18 points per game. And that includes a game against Marcus, who's projected to win District 6-6A. Um, so that defense is starting to round into form. They've got this bruising run game led by R.J. Carver, who's been great to start the season. So, I mean, again, it's this Braswell team that can, you know, just sling it all over the place versus a McKinney team that's going to employ more of a ball control style approach. Um, that should be a, a fascinating game in, uh, in mid-November to potentially determine the, uh, the last playoff team from that district. Um, you know, with Little Elm, they've shown uh, they're 2-2. Two and two. You know, it could have been 3-1. and one. They had a bit of a – they stumbled a bit late there against Fossil Ridge. I believe they were denied uh, just outside the goal line in that game. Uh, but they looked really, really solid the week prior against Plano West. Now, Plano West, not necessarily the caliber of what they're going to be seeing in the upper echelon of 5-6A, but you know, they've at least handled the transition to 6A you know, fairly well so far. Now, again, it's about to ramp up a bit with the start of district play, but you know, they do have what is at least on paper the most experienced roster of anybody in the district, I believe, with 17 or 18 returning starters. They've got their quarterback, John Mateer, who's been starting since he was a freshman, and you're really starting to kind of see that experience really kind of pay dividends now as he's kind of gone up a uh, up a level in his uh, in his junior season, and the defense has been really really solid. You know their uh, their defensive line especially really impressed me against uh, against Plano West. Um, again, we'll see what it means as far as facing those uh you know those uh, those juggernaut offenses over in five six a. And with Boyd, it's all going to be about the offense. You know we I feel like the defense is going to be pretty steady the rest of the way. Don't know if they'll be you know holding teams under twelve points per game or whatever ever clip they've been so far. But um, if Shackleton's able to develop a bit of a, a bit more of a, a 
comfort a quarterback in this offense can just just get up somewhere in like the twenties. You know, it's not, you don't have to score forty a game and whatnot. Just give just give your defense because it's also going to be good as far as you know. You have to be able just to sustain drives if your board's offense just to keep your defense healthy and fresh and not just wear them out as the game goes along. Because I mean, they're going to be uh, it's they got they got some tall orders on deck with uh, you know with Braswell this week and then I believe they play Allen the week after. So that's um, you know you have to do everything you can to try to keep your defense fresh just to give them some sort of chance in the second half of these games. So it's it's all going to boil down to how Boyd's offense is able to grow um, and just try to at least muster some sort of a identity that can at least make them some semblance of a threat to potentially qualify for the playoffs out of 5-6-A. Um, so, yes, that district gets going later on this week. Um, we've also got some action going on over in 10-6-A with Mesquite ISD. Um, so, Devin, what do we have as we close out the podcast here? What is um, just kind of your early read on where this district is going to be headed? I mean, if you look at record-wise, it's there's two pretty distinct tiers that have been established so far. Um, you know, Rockwall, Rockwall Heath, and Tyler Legacy. Um, just I think coming in, they were the favorites. They had, they had more. The other teams had more questions. Um, you know, they're all three and one. Uh, you know, it really can't complain about in, in their losses. Rockwall last week, a little bit of a surprise. Um, you know, not losing to Highland Park, but the way they, they lost. They got handled pretty, pretty seamlessly. Um, you know, they, they fell behind early, and I think they may have panicked. You know, I wasn't at the game. I'm just following along mm-hmm. updates. But, you know, teams like Rockwall, who are used to dominating, aren't used to being on the other side of things. And I think they might have just let things get out of control. And that was a 46-18 final. But they, they still have been impressive otherwise from a 3-1 and one start. Yeah, you know, Lake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and in Heath, you know, Rolled last week um, over McKinney North. Uh, they're three and one. Their only loss was a well. They, they had a shootout. Uh, South Lake loss. Uh, I think seventy-two to fifty-seven was that was that final. And, and then Tyler Legacy, a team that you know it's kind of hard to compare because they early in the season they play a lot of uh, you know East Texas schools. Well, they played. Uh, Pulaski, Pulaski, Little oh. Rock last week. Is, is um, Pulaski that, still is? Are they still the Pulaski of, they hit, of old? Yes. And, um, you know, they had the guy, I guess they were supposed to play Allen. Was that what it was? Tyler Legacy? Yes, or, Tyler Legacy was supposed to play um, Yes. And uh, they lost 50 to 25, but they hung with him early on. And so, um, you know, no shame in taking on a national power and being able to, to be competitive. Uh, you know, so I think those three teams at three and one was kind of the. The consistency early on that they would be the top three, mm-hmm. and it was it'd be a matter of if you can break into that uh, into that group. Um, you know, Mesquite was thought to have a chance. Mesquite's zero and three, a couple of tough losses. They got a couple of you know two and three point losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were off last week. I think Mesquite will be fine. Horns, the one that I could, I think kind of opened some eyes last week. Uh, they beat John Tyler forty one to twenty seven. Uh, not necessarily the, the fact that they beat John Tyler, um, but the fact that they uh, had a first first game starter in Darius White quarterback. Um, they been kind of unsettled to positions. They tried a couple different guys. Uh, Darius White's a junior. They put him in. Uh, he goes 9-15 for 281 and four touchdowns and uh, also rushes for a touchdown. So and I was just looking back over, um, you know, you talk about big plays. Number one, they get an 87-yard kickoff return from Charles Demings. Um, uh, White's touchdown run was 25 yards. So then you have Xavier Brown, who had three catches. They all go for touchdowns. 38, 54, 71 yards. Wow. And then Camden Tyler has a 34-yard touchdown. So all six of their touchdowns were 25 yards or longer. And so if they could continue that kind of big play potential, you know, again, they were way up. Uh, they were up 21-3 after the one quarter. Kind of mistakes started settling. They turned the ball over a couple times in the third quarter, let John Tyler uh, hang around. But 
got the ship righted in the fourth quarter, uh, was able to close it out. Um, and, and an important game for a horn is just in the second season under Chris Hudler. If they can find, you know, a quarterback, uh, that, that runs that system, uh, that's going to put them right there. I, you know, real curious to see, uh, you know, what they can do going forward. Skyline actually had a nice win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be, if they're, they're a newcomer to the Mesquite Rockwall grouping, uh, but they rallied past Keller last week to win 34, 32. It's just so hard when you look at that district because, you know, you got, you know, Brayden Locke over at Rockwall and you got Josh Hoover quarterback over at, at Rockwall Heath and Tyler Legacy is more of a run oriented with Jamarian Miller in that group, but they, they've all three of those teams are proven. It's, you know, see if one of those others can break into the upper echelon. A positive sign for Horn. Mesquite, despite the 0-3 start, has a lot going for them. They're going to be right there in the thick of things. Skyline showed that they're going to be a, a player with last week's last week's win. And, again, this is one of the last districts to start. So, you know, we, we will see what happens. I, I think the Rockwall teams are the, the teams to beat right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Legacy, Tyler Legacy, need to clarify since not many people know. Yeah. If I say Legacy, though, Mansfield's in that district. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, they're, they're going to be a, a factor as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens, but they finally get started this week. Is this the week we get Rockwall versus Heath? I believe so. Yes, yes. I, I, my, my, I'm shifted more toward the Horn North Mesquite angle. Oh, and I not. Uh, I'm just curious if you're just if you were to guess like an over under is that game over under four hours long? I would say over, <laughs> and I would say I would set the over under at uh, 110 points Goodness. as well. But it would be fun. I mean, it's not for not for deadline purposes, oh, yeah. but just from a sheer entertainment fan standpoint, that game is going to be wild. <laughs> So, yes, that is a look at uh, what is going on as we have. Uh, everybody's going to be in the full swing of district play by the end of the week. And, yes, it uh, should be fun. The battle for district titles and playoff berths is officially in full swing. So, yes, that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back on Thursday to look at some of the marquee games on our coverage schedule, including our redevoted game of the week. Make sure you go to our website, starlocalmedia.com, to vote on one of the five games up for, uh, up for contention. So, uh, until then, folks, you take care and we will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.